millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Wrapping up 2016, some of our favorite solutions. And one of the things that drives me nuts is the number of charlatans out there who are selling products saying it can't lose, it can't fail, you're going to make money here no matter what. In theory, it's one of these things that's amazing, right? But but if you think about how people actually use email, one of the things that we do is we tend to use our inbox as a to-do list. And the danger in that is that it's a to-do list that you have given everyone else on Earth permission to add items to. We wanted to break that filter bubble. Instead of having people completely trapped in one area or the other, we wanted to make it very simple, very quick, that people could see the top news from the left, center, and right. Pretty much all of my father's side of the family has diabetes, and I began to be very concerned with respect to not just myself, but my children, and what kind of legacy we were going to leave behind for the next generation. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? So, Jim, you're the squishy libertarian on our show, and I lean liberal, so we certainly don't agree on everything. Right, right. I'm certainly the squishy one here. But what we do agree is we've had some fantastic guests this year, and we've been exposed to an amazing range of ideas, everything from dealing with climate change to the electoral the electrical system. <laughs> the electoral system. The electoral system, and the need for gratitude. So we thought that this show, we our, our first of 2017, we'd look at some of the solutions that were offered by guests in 2016. So we'll start on the kind of personal level, talking about how to be smarter about money. And Rebecca Jarvis covers the economy, finance, and money for ABC News. And she says be skeptical about the claims of investment professionals. Look out for the charlatans. There are so many sources bombarding you. If you listen to podcast, you're going to get information. If you look at the internet, you're going to get information. You watch television, you're going to get information. And one of the things that drives me nuts is the number of charlatans out there who are selling products saying it can't lose, it can't fail. You're going to make money here no matter what. A lot of people hear that and they think, you know what? It's too complicated. I'm just going to go with the guy who tells me it's a no-lose scenario. It's a win-win scenario. And that's a very dangerous thing for people to do because, and this is what I always say, anyone who tells you it's a sure bet, run. Run (laughs) the other direction because it's never a sure bet and the people who say it is are usually lying. What is the main 
financial misconception from viewers? I think one of the big things is debt. And what does debt mean? And how does debt work over a lifetime? And most people don't fully recognize just how quickly that debt grows when you don't pay it down. And it's very dangerous when it comes to credit card debt. Yeah, most people don't realize that credit card debt is a terrible way to borrow money because when we have, for instance, the interest rate on a typical home equity loan now below 4%, the average credit card, it's above 20%. And and so credit card debt is a hugely complicated thing, and a lot of people don't fully appreciate how problematic it can be. Don't you feel like the way the credit card bills are presented, they're kind of encouraging you not to pay off the principal. Minimum payment. Right. There, there's a, That's in bold. Yes, and, and there's an exactly. option. You just click it. Exactly. Right. I, I think another thing, and, and this is something that I hear all the time, there are some financial experts who will claim that you should, instead of paying that credit card debt down, save. Well, if you're putting that money into a savings account, you're getting paid right now with interest rates where they are, which is near rock bottom. You're getting paid virtually nothing for those savings. Meantime, you're collecting more and more debt and it's growing exponentially. So a real big key for anyone who has any credit card debt, and this will be the simplest lesson, pay it off. Rebecca Jarvis, who also says part of being money smart is saving for retirement in the least painful way, which is like a a weekly or monthly checkoff. Mm -hmm. So we'll add that to our list of resolutions for 2017. Richard, I was really struck throughout the year as we watched the rise of Trump, how much the economy sort of underpinned so much of of the discussions on both sides from the Bernie the Bernie Sanders on the left and from uh, Trump on the right this this deep sense of unease out there that the system isn't working yeah and these very simple claims by politicians in the case of Trump build a wall make America great again uh, stop China from cheating and that everything will be yeah. much better if we do that yeah let's just punish the big shots these these simple ideas are so appealing to people on all across the political spectrum but we had one guest this year that brought a, I thought a lot of realism to the discussion yeah Rashir Sharma reminded us why everyone is wrong about the economy Rashir is the chief global strategist at Morgan Stanley Investment Management, and he's the author of the book, The Rise and Fall of Nations. Rashir says that despite what the politicians say, it's going to be tough to have strong economic growth. And one reason why? The depopulation bomb. What's very apparent and underappreciated is the major drop-off we've seen in the world's working-age population growth rate. That after growing at 2% a year for much of post-war history, over the last decade, that growth rate has dropped by a full percentage point. And I think that is a major drag on global economic growth currently. A, a drag not only in the United States and Everywhere. developing nations, but el- elsewhere. Elsewhere as well, yes. Right now, we're seeing a big backlash against immigration in the U.S., but you're an advocate for legal immigration. Yeah, I mean, my entire point here is that if you look at countries such as Canada and Australia, that these countries were able to to use immigration in a very useful way to try and counter their demographic challenges and then have been able to grow and become more important economies on the back of a successful immigration policy. So they did that to increase the workforce and yes. that helps improve growth. Yes, absolutely. Rashir Sharma talking about the global economy. So why include this in a show about solutions? The real reason is that before we can come up with solutions, we have to be realistic about what works. It's easy to say, 
oh, stop China from cheating and we're going to bring back manufacturing. But if you don't understand how the economy works, those are just slogans. Yeah, I think we realized that during the year, Jim, that some of our shows are very much a series of ideas about fixes and solutions. And then there are some other shows. For instance, I'm thinking of Michael Shermer and uh, the Moral Arc a philosophy book, really, that sometimes it's important to take a step back and look at how we compare today to previous times. And before you can get to concrete solutions, sometimes you have to really understand the problem. And often that means realizing that the way you think the problem works may not be correct. Yeah. One example of that is, in my view at least, uh, the debate about energy. What about nuclear power? It's something that a lot of environmentalists are wrestling with, some very much in favor, some passionately against. We invited Michael Schellenberger, who's one of the leaders of the movement some are calling eco-modernism to uh to talk about this yeah, i mean how can you look at this this incredible standard of living that everybody in rich countries enjoys and and then understand anything about the past and imagine that it was somehow much better back then i just don't understand it and then i think the thing that really matters is helping people to see nuclear power for what it is and stop projecting all of the craziness that they project onto it um, this is a technology where the basic facts about it are incredibly well understood by everybody. It's the safest way to make energy. It's the only scalable zero carbon power that can deal with climate change. So if those are things that we care about, then we're going to need to do a lot of nuclear power. And we're going to have to just talk back to the kind of really crazy anti-nuclear discourse. Before we go, one provocation, Chernobyl. It did lead to a huge environmental disaster in the region around Chernobyl. Understanding what happened at Chernobyl was part of the reason I changed my mind on nuclear. I, the Great. more you learn about the accidents, the more comfortable you feel, you feel with the technology and the more concerned you are about the irrational reaction to them. So look at Chernobyl. This is a plant that had no containment dome. I mean, it, it's sort of preposterous when you think about they're running a nuclear plant without any containment dome to, to, in case of a meltdown or accident. There was a fire a spewing radiation out of the plant that had to be put out. When, um, at the time, 29 firefighters died from acute radiation syndrome. Uh, I, think we asked, I think the WHO, the World Health Organization, estimates another 20 died, so something like 50 firefighters died on the spot. And all deaths after that, have to be extrapolated based on incredibly low levels of radiation. Michael Schellenberger talking about nuclear power, one of the few guests this year who changed my mind. And I love the way he makes these, what to most people seem like very counterintuitive points. The idea of looking at the terrible disaster at Chernobyl, not as a, an argument against nuclear power, but saying, if this is the worst case for nuclear power, as bad as it was, it's nowhere near as bad as coal-fired power plants all over the planet spewing out uh, carbon and particulates that literally do kill people every yeah, day. Yeah, I think, I think the struggle about this is, for people who really care about the environment, is we can't get all of our power from solar and wind, at least in the foreseeable future. And, and there's a very interesting example in the past year in Germany where they've shut off their nuclear power stations, and what's the result? They've taken a huge step backwards in terms of carbon emissions. Same thing in Vermont and California, where they've shut down nuclear power plants prematurely. One of Michael's big arguments is, even if you're not on board building new plants, let's not shut down the ones we have 
um, prematurely. Yeah, I, I really agree with his point there, but I also think it's important to be respectful towards people who do look at the dangers of nuclear power and say two things. One, the possibility of a meltdown, and two, where are we going to store the stuff in the future? Right, right. Those are, no, those are legit issues, but all things have trade-offs. One of our favorite guests was John Gable, who came on from all sides now. John is a conservative, uh, a technology guy uh, who spent a lot of his earlier career in the internet and formed a website called All Sides Now because he was concerned that different people get their news from completely different sources. What we started doing with All Sides is we wanted to break that filter bubble. Instead of having people completely trapped in one area or the other, we wanted to make it very simple, very quick, that people could see the top news from the left, center, and right. And so we bring different perspectives. So when there's a breaking news... What's fascinating is that news sources on left, center, right will be covering the exact same event, be standing within feet of each other, and their headlines and their coverage will be radically different. So on your website, instead of going to the website and and picking out a news story to read, you have three columns, left, center, right. Explain what's going on there. So we want people to be able to see quickly the differences. And in fact, for news consumers... It's so easy for us to fall into our bubbles. Facebook and other tools accentuate the tendency to only see news we agree with. If you're a Facebook user, you've been kind of trained not to disagree with your, with your peers. So not only does it reflect your behavior online, it also reflects your behavior in regular so life. So it begins to, begins to affect your, the way you conduct yourself. Exactly. In, in regular life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm a big free speech advocate. I, I want differences. And I think that's the way you get to best solutions. And you need to be able to see differences um, and, and appreciate them and learn how to work with them. So you think if someone makes it part of their daily news habit to go to all, the All Sides website, I mean, to me, it's interesting just to be constantly reminded that that story you're taking as the generic story, that, gen, that New York Times article, isn't necessarily generic. There are certain things they're not stressing. Sometimes there's very little difference. I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised how the Fox News story and the New York Times story are often quite similar. <laughs> Even when the differences aren't that big, just knowing that there's different perspectives, to me, it's kind of empowering and, and uh, mind-opening. Empowering is what has been our big word from day one. Before we even started the company and we were talking about it, that's what we were all about, is to give people the power to decide for themselves, the power to know what's really going on. And then what we've learned over time is also the power to know how to talk to somebody different than you are and actually hear and have a healthy, productive conversation. John Gable of the website All Sides Now. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. Don't forget, visit us on iTunes. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us comments. Let us know what you want to hear about. Yeah, please. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, Richard, one of the things that I really like about our show is that not every solution we talk about has to be a big federal program or some new law. Yeah, it can be local. Right. We had a great example from Brownsville, Texas, of dealing with a community health crisis in a very local and social way. Yeah, this was inspired by a visit I took to El Paso, and I went down there actually to report something for the El Paso Times, and as a result of that, ended up speaking with Rose Gallon. And those border communities, very heavily Latino, where you have a major crisis with obesity and diabetes and liver disease. So the numbers are pretty alarming. We read that 80% of Brownsville residents are obese or overweight and pushed by the high rates of poverty in the area? Well, there's two factors. One is that 70% of our people are not insured. And so um, access to care is a huge economic burden for them. But we also know that when so many people have diabetes and or have to care for those who have diabetes, they're not able to work as much or as long and contribute to the local economy. So we know from studies that $250 million a year is lost in wages because of diabetes in our area. And you're saying there's a negative feedback loop there, that the diabetes also makes it harder for people to uh, climb up out of that low-income situation. Yes, because even if you achieve your education and achieve your job, you are often pulled out of the workforce early because of complications or disabilities. So you're an obstetrician gynecologist, now a city commissioner. How did that come about? Well, my father and his family were all from Brownsville, and I was born and raised here. And pretty much all of my father's side of the family has diabetes. And I began to be very concerned with respect to not just myself, but my children and what kind of legacy we were going to leave behind for the next generation. So you were observing this And at some point you said you wanted to have a bigger impact and you decided to run for the city commission. How did you make that decision? I was involved in one of the first initiatives that the School of Public Health um, came to us with, and that was bringing back a farmer's market. South Texas is hugely agricultural and historically agricultural, and, and it made no sense that we didn't have a farmer's market any longer. Then there was a lot of red tape, and I became frustrated with that, so I decided One of the ways that I needed to participate was to try and change some of those policies. And the only way you can do that is if you're on the inside. So you you started your farmer's market. So what was the next step? We have put in uh, many, many, many miles of bike lanes, which did not exist even five years ago. Now, Brownsville, Texas is pretty poor and perhaps doesn't have access to a lot of funds. So how did you get the money to build uh, bike trails that are you know, relatively expensive? Well, what happened when I was first elected is I went to my public health friends and I said, you guys need to help me find some money. They're not going to give me money and I'm going to need some help. So one of their interns was tasked with finding funds. He went and evaluated what 11 cities in Texas of similar size had done with respect to capturing grant dollars, and Brownsville was dead last. 
And with that information, I was able to go to city council and say, look, we need a grant writer. So now, seven years later, we have a fully funded grant team that is partnering with other partners in the community to find money. And we have really done well at building partnerships so that no one entity has to carry the burden of building anything. Rose Gallen, a member of the city council in Brownsville, Texas, who talked to us about a whole bunch of ways to improve nutrition and also reduce the problem of obesity. So, Richard, I don't know about you, but I always feel like never get enough done in a day. And you always feel like there's got to be a better way. Yeah. And one way to be better at this is more efficient lists. Uh, Charles Duhigg of the New York Times has written two highly praised books, uh, one called The Power of Habit, the other Smarter, Faster, Better. And he talked to us about the way that you can actually harness some of the ways your mind works, some things that could be negatives if not channeled, and turn them into positives. Yeah, he talked about to-do lists and emails. In your book, you talk about email as being both a productivity tool but also a huge obstacle obstacle to to productivity. Why is that? Well, I, I think the thing about email is that it, in theory, it's one of these things that's amazing, right? But but if you think about how people actually use email, one of the things that we do is we tend to use our inbox as a to-do list. And the danger in that is that it's a to-do list that you have given everyone else on earth permission to add items to. I look over the shoulder of my friends and I see that they have 2,834 unread messages. And I think, oh, that's that's <laughs> awful. Well, that's actually totally okay. I mean, this is the point, is that email is designed to encourage us to be reactive, to say, I want to get to zero inbox. But are you getting to zero inbox because that makes you productive? So one of the best mental models that I've heard for thinking about email is to look at email as a suggestion rather than an obligation. And a suggestion that you get from your boss, for instance, is a suggestion that you're going to listen to pretty closely. You're going to reply to that suggestion. But a suggestion that comes from someone, you know, on the other side of the company, those are suggestions that, you know, if it's in your best interest, you'll listen to it if it makes sense to you. But otherwise, you might also just ignore it. There's no need to follow up and tell someone, oh, I ate at the restaurant you suggested to me. Yeah, so if I don't respond to an email or somebody doesn't, more importantly, somebody doesn't respond to my email, I shouldn't feel pissed. Well, I don't think you should feel pissed. I think that you should then figure out, like, how important is this to you? Do you email them again? Do you call them on the phone? I mean, this is the thing is that we know that people send emails that are not for things that are important. And so the question is, how do you create a little bit of a higher transaction cost on the emails that you don't want to deal with? And the answer is you force people to, to give you a phone call or to email you two or three times. Yeah, Jim makes me do that all yeah. the time. He doesn't, <laughs> Actually, he doesn't respond to half my email. <laughs> That was Charles Duhigg talking about the power of habit. And smarter, faster, better, the name of his his most recent book. So 2016 is in the can. Yeah, and 2017, we have a bunch of new shows in the works. Do you think there's any problems we need to be addressing in the coming year? Yeah, there might, might, might just be. We might think of one or two. <laughs> this yeah. is How Do We Fix It. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And the show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.